You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Pack Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. The Packers have not made any more signings as of Thursday, March 19th, which is Today's date, we are coming out midday on this so that we have the most recent information. I was going to do a morning show, and then the big news of the day, at least to this point, happened. Early Thursday morning, the Detroit Lions agreed to send all-pro cornerback Darius Slay to the Philadelphia Eagles for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and then the Eagles extended him on a three-year million deal, a top-of-market type deal for Darius Slay. And this has repercussions in two important ways for the Packers. The first is a potential NFC contender gets better. One of the main questions about the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020 was at the cornerback position. Who was going to cover opposing receivers? Think back to Devontae Adams early in 2019 on that Thursday night. The Packers lost that game, but until Devontae Adams got hurt in an injury that would keep him out ultimately four more weeks, he had 180 yards on a Philadelphia secondary that had been decimated by an injury and even when healthy was not a great group. They've already lost Malcolm Jenkins, who they cut and who went back to the New Orleans Saints, they need help there. Now, they still need help at receiver. They still have some questions at offensive line if Andre Dillard can be their long-term left tackle option. It is certainly not a, a fulfilled roster at this point. The linebacker situation is a disaster as well. But the Eagles got better, got significantly better. And so if you assume Carson Wentz is going to be healthy and they're going to be healthier as a team, Fletcher Cox, they added Javon Hargrave, this Eagles team is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NFC in 2020. Now, their division got better because Mike McCarthy is a massive upgrade over Jason Garrett in Dallas. I think the Cowboys are going to be a better team than they were last year, at least record-wise. Um, They had a lot of good underlying numbers that said they were a better team than they turned out to be. Now, this also has pretty serious repercussions for the Lions, a team the Packers are going to play twice in 2020. It is another cornerback who has left the division. The Vikings are now down Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, and Mackenzie Alexander, their top three corners from last season. The Bears are losing Prince of Mukamara in free agency. And the Lions have now lost Darius Slay, their best cornerback. Now, they signed Desmond Trufant to a big money deal, a two-year, $21 million deal. His play has steadily declined in Atlanta after he signed his original big money deal with the Falcons. 
Does this make the the Detroit secondary a net better group? No. And they also traded Quandre Diggs last year. That made them a worse defense. They traded for Deron Harmon. And this is becoming more and more Patriots, not quite East. Patriots Midwest, I guess. And that has mostly gone bad for the teams who have tried it. The Lions also signed Jamie Collins. They signed Danny Shelton, two former Patriots. And they're trying to cobble together a team to compete this year, even though they're unlikely to compete this year. The Lions are worse now than they were last year, and last year led to them picking third in this upcoming draft. Now, Matthew Stafford obviously plays a role there, but they also lost interior offensive line help. They replaced Rick Wagner with a player who's significantly worse who was a backup offensive tackle for the Eagles, who needed a future offensive tackle and decided to let him go. In terms of what this means, this trade means for the Packers in their division, it's great news as it relates to what's going on with the Lions because they're significantly worse. Now, it could be true at the, with the third pick in the draft, they can draft Jeff Okuda, who by all accounts is an extremely good cornerback prospect in that you know sort of Patrick Peterson type range, Marshawn Lattimore, a really good top five type prospect who can come in and immediately be you know an above average player and eventually can be a Pro Bowl caliber corner. That's a big ask for a rookie to come in. Rookie cornerbacks, even high pick rookie cornerbacks, tend to be bad. So when you have a corner in Darius Slay who is an all-pro type player who couldn't cover Devontae Adams, and now you're asking a rookie corner or Desmond Trufant who is falling down the same cliff as Xavier Rhodes to cover Devontae Adams, that's good news for the Packers offense. There was a joke. The, the, the Packers joke account Packer Ranter made the joke, and it's only half a joke really, that with all the cornerback departures in the NFC North, do the Packers even really need a receiver? I mean, the top three corners for the Vikings, a starter for the Bears, and an entirely new starting cornerback group for the Detroit Lions coming in 2020. I mean, how badly, and this is a a team that struggled to guard Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams last year. So the, the Packers are in good position because the teams in their divisions, they're hemorrhaging good players. And even the players who are not so good, they're hemorrhaging starting level players. Linval Joseph got paid. Ashawn Robinson got paid. That was a name that the, the, the Packers were looking at. And, and it's interesting. We talked yesterday on the show about Michael Pierce signing with the Vikings. He ended up getting a three-year, $27 million contract. Holy hell. That's just a no. And you look at Jordan Phillips got a similar deal. Ashawn Robinson got a similar deal. That's just way too much money for an interior run defender. You can find interior run defenders. Now, the Packers do not have a lot of them, but you can find you can find Latroy Guyon. You can find these kinds of players. You can find Quentin Dial. They're not difficult to find. Now, the Packers roster last year was bereft of them. They trusted the guys like Montrevious Adams to do the thing and couldn't do it. Kenny Clark being hurt for the beginning part of the year also played a role here. But the Packers have done tremendous research on these day two defensive linemen, guys like Justin Matabuike, Neville Gallimore, Jordan Elliott. A lot of these guys have met with Green Bay. It was a focus of the work they did at the Combine. They didn't need to pay Michael Brockers $10 million. 
They didn't need to pay Linval Joseph $9 million or Michael Pierce $9 million to come in. Michael Pierce didn't even play 50% of the snaps last year for the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't even play 50% of snaps and does not affect the passing game. It's just too much money to justify spending on limited players. Now, you want to help your run defense. I totally get that. There are still things the Packers can do in order to achieve that goal, and we're going to talk about them a little bit later. But this is something that the Packers clearly identified going into the combine a month before free agency opens and said, it's going to get out of control. The spending is going to get out of control. We don't want to be in that spending situation. We don't want to have to allocate resources that way. It makes more sense to do it with defensive linemen, and especially on the interior, if you have a guy who's just going to come in and play 30% of snaps, they're just going to give you Tyler Lancaster snaps. You can you can do that with a day two pick, with a, with a second round pick, a third round pick. And in that rotation, you hope Montrevious Adams takes that step forward that his coaches and teammates said he was going to take last year. The... the Coaches love Kingsley Kiki, and I thought he flashed a lot of promise last year in very limited snaps. The Packers are in a position now to find better value, and that's been the theme of their offseason. Find value with the players you add, and don't worry about trying to make a splash. Find value. Players who can exceed the amount of capital that you use to acquire them. So I put this out last night on what I think the goal should be between now and the draft. And and the stakes have changed a little bit because the market has changed a little bit. But my plan at the time was cut Lane Taylor, sign Taylor Gabriel, sign Snacks Harrison. And that that money more or less works out for the Packers to be right up to where they want to be in terms of their spendable cap space, and then having money for in-season moves, having money to sign your practice squad players, your draft, et cetera, et cetera. So that would put the Packers, they would have got an interior player who can play early downs, Snacks Harrison. Andrew Billings signed today, so he's out of the equation, but Snacks Harrison's still on the market. You sign Taylor Gabriel so that you're at least getting some sort of receiver, and then you're creating the money to do that with the, the Lane Taylor cut. I've been on record saying I I still think it is not a done deal at all that Lane Taylor is released. You have to find a reason to use that money. And so if they don't have a reason to use that money, you can just keep him unless and until you find a better use of those resources. There is no benefit in just cutting him. He's a useful player to have on your roster. Don't just cut him. Cut him and then use that money on something or don't cut him at all. I think using the money plus the the limited resources the Packers already have on a Taylor Gabriel-type player. And remember, the Packers tend to not care as much about their pre-draft thresholds with free agents. Rick Wagner, for example, not the kind of athlete the Packers look for in the draft, but because he has NFL experience and is a solid player, you overlook that because we know what he is in the NFL. Taylor Gabriel is a player who can play underneath and play deep, who knows this offense and can come in right away and contribute. That is useful, and it's not going to cost very much. Snacks Harrison, come in, early down run stuffer, and now, in four moves, you've addressed all four key concerns that you have with your team. Now, have you created solutions to those problems? No. But you have taken steps toward mitigating the holes that you have. You have 
some level of solutions. Is Rick Wagner as good as Brian Bulaga? No. Is Christian Kirksey as good as Blake Martinez? Maybe if he can stay healthy. Is Taylor Gabriel better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling? I mean, I think there's a good case. And then is Snacks Harrison better than Tyler Lancaster? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Even a diminished version of Damon Harrison is better than Tyler Lancaster. So in that way, you've made improvements. You have staved off major regression from, from key departures. And you've put yourself in a position to go into the draft saying, look, we can we can take whoever. We can take whoever is available and is the best guy. Because we have these short-term answers. We have guys that we feel comfortable playing these roles if a rookie is not ready. You don't have to force yourself into believing that someone is going to come in and make this huge difference over someone else if the quality of the player is different. Now, remember, in the draft, we're talking about best available being the, the player who can come in and most impact your team. Well, if you have suggested starters, preferred starters at all of these positions, and I think you can make the case that if the Packers signed a receiver and a defensive lineman to small money deals, if they are starter quality players, and in my opinion, Taylor Gabriel and Damon Harrison are that, you have good options at every position, which means that any player that you draft of similar quality, you could make the case is the most impactful guy because all of these are short-term deals. So in that case, for me, I'm prioritizing two positions, offensive tackle and receiver in some order. And you say, okay, whichever guy we have rated higher of those two, that's your first round pick. And hopefully in the second round, you have someone at that other position. Getting all four of those guys would allow you in the first round to break your tendency and say, we're going to take a receiver. Now, there are still receiver options out there, and we're going to finish the show talking about the receiver market and why it's been a little softer than maybe we thought. But before we get there, because we're talking about the the preferred avenue according to what I think the Packers would be smart to do, I have been in on this Robert Woods trade from the beginning. Now, what the Rams seem more interested to do, per reports, is trade Brandon Cooks. They're trying to trade Todd Gurley, and Brandon Cooks is on the market. Now, that means the the Rams are willing to eat money, a ton of money, by the way, to give up Brandon Cooks. Is that a red flag? Does that suggest that, you know, this concussion issue that he's had over the course of his career is a, a, a serious one moving forward? And we know that once you have a concussion, you are more likely to get them moving forward. And as those cluster, it accelerates and and gets worse exponentially. This is a concept we are very familiar with right now in modern society in terms of this, this exponential effect. We talk about it all the time with coronavirus. And so what kind of risk is he? A big risk. Now, in a vacuum, he is exactly the kind of player the Packers need, a downfield threat who can open up the field for the rest of your offense, who can allow Devontae Adams to work more underneath and in the middle of the field, can create opportunities for Alan Lazard to work those intermediate routes where he's so good, those slants, those digs, those posts, and you've got safeties worried about Brandon Cooks taking the top off. That would be a great fit. Now, what is it going to cost? His contract is workable because of how much guaranteed money has already been allocated, and he would be a, if he hit the market today he would be the number one receiver on the market and would get 16 17 million dollars a year he'd get the Sammy Watkins deal 
Probably, assuming the medicals check out. We don't know what the medicals look like, but assuming the medicals check out, that would be the kind of deal he'd get. And you're getting him for significantly less. You're talking about, you know, $12 million, $14 million on some of these years in the future. That's a workable number. That's Robbie Anderson money, or at least that's what we thought Robbie Anderson money would be. And Brandon Cooks is a much better player. So if the Rams are this desperate to move him, what does the compensation look like? If they're willing to take a pick after the second round, if you're offering a third-round pick for Brandon Cooks, and it is the case that they have to eat all this money and they're not making the Packers take on any of that money, it's a no-brainer. Because then you can get your offensive lineman in the first round, you can get your defensive lineman in the second round where I think the value is there, and then you give up your third-round pick in the fourth You can take one of those gadget receivers, Devin DuVernay, Antonio Gibson. You can still add some talented players. This is where the depth of the receiver class would really benefit the Packers. It's why I've suggested getting a legit receiver too. Cooks, Woods, someone of that elk, even Robbie Anderson. If you can get that guy, then you can take full advantage of the depth of the draft and get a guy who in the fourth round can come in and and give you, you know, those those snaps that were going to be allocated for, you know, Jake Kumaro. And you can get more value out of those snaps. I love that idea for the Packers. It has to be right with the compensation. And the Rams are motivated to do it because they have bonus payments that they got to pay soon, which means they got to get this done. It could be the case that by the time I'm done recording, we have news on what's going on here. So something to monitor moving forward and something obviously we will talk about if it happens. I want to finish up here with this discussion about the receivers because the receiver market has been soft. We haven't heard any activity about Robbie Anderson or Brashad Perriman or Emmanuel Sanders. We haven't even really heard about teams showing interest And this deep draft class has been a big reason why. And I can understand if you're a team at 15 or 20 or 25 even saying, look, Henry Ruggs could fall. Jerry Judy could fall. Justin Jefferson could fall. And that's all true. But let's say you're the Packers and you're sitting there at 30 and you think there are five players who are really, really good and, and you are very confident can be your, your wide receiver too. Well, let's just say those players are C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins. Let's just for the argument's sake of argument say that. If you think those guys are going to be gone, you have a decision to make. What kind of quality player can you get at 30? If you don't think that they can be a legit number two for you, then how does that affect the way you view this market? Do you go and say, oh, at 62, we can still get Donovan Peoples-Jones and we feel okay about that? I wouldn't love that. I've been very vocal. I think this is a deep draft class, but there is a drop-off after 50. And so if you don't get your receiver two in the first round, you're, you're probably just better off waiting because you can still get a quality player on a rotation basis, which is what all the rest of the players are going to be in the third round, in the fourth round, maybe even in the fifth round, you're looking at flawed players, more flawed players. So if you're the Packers, what is the point at which 
a Robbie Anderson contract becomes palatable? What is the point at which an Emmanuel Sanders contract becomes palatable? Emmanuel Sanders knows the offense. Robbie Anderson can be your deep threat. If Brashad Perriman is going to cost a lot, which I thought he was going to, I know a lot of people, oh, just sign Brashad Perriman for $4 million. No way Brashad Perriman is signing for $4 million. He's going to get six, seven, eight, maybe even $9 million. He's going to get that Dante Moncrief. Everyone's like, oh, this is the sleeper guy. And when everyone says this is the sleeper guy, there's a team that also says this is the sleeper guy, and we're going to pay him to be the not sleeper guy. We're going to pay him to be our number two receiver. And then he becomes Dante Moncrief, and it's a disaster for two different teams. And all of a sudden, we all realize he's really a third or a fourth receiver who is nice in a secondary role. One of Bill Barnwell's rules in free agency has always been, and this is supported by data, beware of the number two receiver in a good passing offense. Well, Brashad Perriman is the number three receiver in a good passing offense and and was buoyed by a five-game streak where there were, there were no other options for the Bucks, And Jameis was chuck and duck. Bruce Arians loves to push the ball down the field. He's not that guy, okay? And, and three different teams have decided he's not that guy, including two teams that desperately needed help at receiver. But if all of a sudden these, these guys come, become available for single-digit millions, if the market becomes so soft that you can get Robbie Anderson at $8 million a year, then that starts to become... Very, very interesting because the Packers were interested in Robbie Anderson last year at the trade deadline, tried to get something done, couldn't get it done in time. So clearly they like the player. Now, they were also getting value on the last year of his deal, but could you get him in that range? Would Emmanuel Sanders only cost six, seven? Is Brashad Perriman really only going to be $4 million? If those are closer to the numbers then I think it changes the calculation for the Packers and it allows you to say, well, we didn't want to draft a receiver in the first round anyway. We didn't think that there would be someone there that we love. Let's say we don't love Denzel Mims. We don't love Michael Pittman. We don't love KJ Hamler. And so 30 is just, we're, we're worried about 30. We're worried about getting a receiver there. And we think the guy at 62 is more likely a secondary player beyond a receiver two, more like a receiver three type. And I think that's a reasonable thing to think, by the way. Anything after the second round for receivers based on uh, a really cool study that Pro Football Focus did recently. If you want a receiver in the 65th percentile or above, you better do it in the first two rounds because the odds of you getting one after that greatly diminish. So, you know, if you want to get that second receiver in free agency first, you can still draft another guy. But it allows you to make it past the first round to do that because you're going to get a, a tertiary piece anyway. All right. We're going to be back tomorrow. Joe Thomas is going to be on the show. In fact, I'm talking with him later today. So we'll get some insight on Rick Wagner, on Christian Kirksey, and a lot more around the Packers. So keep an eye on for that. The The best way to do that, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers and subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes. It helps other people find our show right now. We are trending into the top 200. We are consistently into the top 200, by the way, on iTunes. One of the top NFL shows on the internet. So thank you so much for all your work there. Already the number one Packers show, but one of the top NFL shows as well. Your thirst for things, all things Packers is unparalleled and, and you're awesome. Remember, a lot of you are at home. You're not commuting. You're not going to the gym. So tell your smart device. 
Alexa, play Locked on Packers. Okay, Google, all of that good stuff. We are here on every platform for you. So check us out and tell your friends. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.